0: Welcome to this roundup. Facial recognition, a way of recognizing a human face through technology is on the rise. Although facial recognition technology has been around for quite some time, the advances in artificial intelligence and machine learning has brought active expansion of the technology. As a result, the automation of the facial recognition technology fundamentally changes the way we do many things across nations in government industries, organizations and academia. Furthermore, as computer vision continues to get better over the coming months and years and the technology's ability to determine any individual's exact physical, mental and emotional state we will likely see a rapid increase in implementation of facial recognition technology in not only humans, but also on machines and more. To discuss trends in facial recognition technology further, I'm delighted to welcome Sean Moore to Risk Roundup. Sean is the CEO and founder of Trueface, based in the United States. Welcome Sean, we're honored to have you on Risk Roundup.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Wonderful, Sean. So uh, several different technological improvements Serve as the foundation for the current state of ai driven facial recognition, the first of which is perhaps you know higher quality video that I just you know briefly talked about in my introduction. So how do you see this evolution in video technology changing the face of facial recognition technology I
1: think it's important to to take a step back and and be aware of the camera infrastructure to which we had in, in you know two thousand and ten or even the early 2000s. It is significantly advanced in terms of what it can do um, from the clarity of the image that we're pulling in to the processing that we can do at the edge And so the advancements in, in the hardware infrastructure was necessary for us then to, to be able to add artificial intelligence to understand what is happening in those camera feeds so it's a, a pretty recent innovation uh, both in hardware and software that's allowed for us to do things like real-time analysis of people's faces uh, whereas 10-15 years ago It was usually after an event happened, we can scan through hours of data. And so we're at the point with the advances in neural networks, um, computer vision, and more generally speaking, artificial intelligence, where we can actually run this technology in a very low weight or in a very light package uh, in real time at the edge.
0: You no know, that that those are really good advances and uh, much needed but how do you see this uh, technology the three dimensional recognition how does that occur about any face you know uh, by machine because we are these are all machines irrespective of whether it's a computer or any other you know kind of machine that is installed at airports or any other place it is still you know a machine so how does it do the three dimensional recognition of a human face
1: well, 3D cameras are still uh, in a, in sort of a nascent industry. Um, so there are not many 3D cameras out around the world. I think as of present day, we've got roughly 650 million cameras around the world, the majority of which are 2D. And so we're still only capturing two dimensions there. I do think that in the next five to 10 years, we will start to see three dimensional cameras out there and what that means is we've got an extra field of vision to capture. So instead of having just the, the vertical and horizontal axis, you now have depth. And with depth, you can you can recognize, you know, a significantly a higher proportion of people or or a, a much larger audience of people in a single frame than you can just with two D because now you have an idea of the depth. And so three D cameras are, are are fairly new. Um, they're absolutely coming, and, and it does allow for for facial recognition, specifically object recognition and other recognition type technologies, to operate in in a higher with a higher level of
0: accuracy. Um, I see. So it's not very commonly used at this point, but it's uh, coming our way, right?
1: The the three D recognition is not commonly used in public public areas. Um, but when you think about access control for airports or border control, um, you know people tricking that system with a fake passport or holding up a picture. It, is a possibility, and so having a three D camera there now. If I'm holding up a phone to gain access or a picture, it's going to see that that's a two D hack attempt, and so it, it does allow for more security when it comes to unmanned facial recognition.
0: So, how does a machine differentiate between a human face and a picture? Because when you if we are not using three D you know cameras, then it, with two D cameras, all you can see is a you know picture kind of you know image. Uh, with uh, the technology so uh, how does uh, you know i mean it can be fooled very easily right so how does a machine differentiate that this is a human face and this is just a picture of a human face
1: the is on the team that's deploying that software to ensure that that doesn't happen um, you know speaking specifically from, from our company, we use things uh, that we call 2D spoof detection. So we're looking for anomalies or areas that we have recognized are present in all hack attempts. We're identifying those and then we understand if that's a hack attempt, so that is a picture. So you're looking at things like contextual analysis, glare, reflection. Um, you, know, you, you need to find ways of which you can identify these hack attempts that differentiate from millions of other you know, actual faces. And so once you do that, you can just program into the algorithm that if this certain thing is seen, we know it's a hack attempt. So it's more difficult with 2D. Um, it's absolutely more difficult, but it's, it's very doable.
0: I see. I see. Now, it's, I've read somewhere that even st- skin texture analysis is has uh, started, you know, to be used into this facial recognition technology. So how does that, you know, skin texture analysis work? Is it the camera just uh, takes a picture of the skin and... Uh, how does it differentiate, you know, one individual skin with another individual skin?
1: So it's it's based on neural networks. You, you feed these neural networks enough information and it starts to learn patterns in that information. And so the, the skin texture analysis is based on a lot of data in, um, when you have a lot of data in that's cleanly defined is what it is, that the software itself, the intelligence starts to learn how to bucket those individuals and so that's largely how how that process is done uh, it sees enough of these individuals to know how to segregate them in buckets and then it can make predictions in the future on it when it sees like similar or s- similar or like characteristics of that person
0: i see i see so i mean apart from these cameras and uh, skin texture analysis and uh, t- uh, t- 3d you know dimension what are the advances in technologies are coming our way that will support the you know more adoption of facial recognition in the coming years.
1: I think it's it's critical to take a step all the way back to what's the first way that you or what what is the earliest way you could purchase this technology, and it would be on a chipset. So it's with the semiconductor companies and the semiconductor companies you know are mass distributing their their platforms across the world. So what that means is the facial recognition companies, the artificial intelligence companies, should be looking at how do we take this technology and port it to a very small device or a device that can run on a phone, a smart doorbell, um, you know, a home uh, assistant product, things like that. And so I, I think that that's the next real big advancement with this technology is is taking something that's traditionally a few hundred megabytes in size that you know bogs down your computer and can run at five megabytes in size, which is the size of a, an iPhone you know or a song on an iPhone. And so that I think is critical to the advancement of this industry because we need to take something that is is traditionally very large, shrink it down, but we can't give in on performance. Uh, so that will be the next hurdle for this industry.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that because I think uh, with the advances in neuromorphic computing and neuromorphic chips, Uh, we will get so much better capabilities as far as, you know, uh, the energy use goes or, you know, the uh, what kind of uh, capabilities programming and self-learning that will come with that, you know. So we will, uh, you are right that, you know, I think that probably would be the next step where, you know, we, decide and define and decide which kind of chip, you know, would be necessary for uh, implementing, whether it's a doorbell or, you know, whether it's uh, logging to your bank account, financial account, because these are all very, you know, uh, important uh, for assets for any individual, irrespective of whether somebody gets entered into the home or into their bank accounts. Those are, those needs to be protected. So we do need a very secure, you know, chip, uh, which will allow us to, you know, Develop some, you know either cognitive computing or, you know, the, it will uh, allow us neurofor- neuromorphic computing. That gives us much more security. So I think that's an excellent point. And I'm just thinking about what as the Intel, you know, is working on these neuromorphic computing chips and, you know, uh, so many other uh, companies are using, what is necessary, you know, we, what kind of chip is necessary? Even if it's a neuromorphic computing, that would be essential f- if we look at the future needs of uh, uh, not only this uh, field, you know, facial recognition technology, but, you know, many other technologies. So that will be very important, you know, analysis that needs to be done. But talking about the thermal cameras, I think that is also one uh, very important piece of the facial recognition technology. So are are the thermal cameras currently being used for the facial recognition?
1: Uh, they are. It's early days. Um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's specific to the use case. And so... When you think about how facial recognition is deployed right now, it's deployed in airports, it's deployed in stadiums, uh, banks for phone, for handsets, um, for the smart home, and so each each of those industries need a specific requirement on camera. And you know, some need infrared, some need just traditional cameras. Um, some of the schools that are using facial recognition are using their existing camera infrastructure. And so it, it's a pretty wide range of infrastructure that this technology has to operate on. And again, it goes back to the companies that is that is supplying the software. They need to ensure that it's cross-platform or multi-platform and that their their solution works on a camera on your computer and a camera that's you know in a hotel. Uh, so it's really up to the, the, the supplier or the provider of facial recognition to ins- ensure performance on those different types of cameras. So in reference to thermal cameras, you know, I, I think, again, it's, it's not necessary at this stage, um, but it becomes necessary. And so
0: what circumstances would be necessary to have the thermal cameras?
1: I think if, if you're looking at, you know, a higher degree of risk environments, um, where, you know, you have a a certain need for, for identifying specific individuals and those cameras make that easier. Um, it's, it's really up to the, the company or entity in which is is wanting this technology deployed to decide on, on what camera infrastructure that they're going to use or if they're going to use their current infrastructure. So it's difficult for me to say what the best use case for those cameras are because I'm, you know, I'm not the one making that decision at the end of the day.
0: I see no I hear you on that. But as we look back, you know, we have we are seeing the use of facial recognition technology on iPhones and so many other, you know, platforms. So it's it is already being used. So how does the how do you see from your uh in-depth understanding of the industry. How do you see the facial recognition technology or face, you know, face ID evolving for the security purpose, for identification and authentication, especially, you know, in, in the coming years?
1: It's a great question. Um, again, I think everyone has to realize here that this is baseline. This is the worst this technology will ever be today. And so, you know, it's already being used, like you mentioned, it's being used at 20 airports in the United States. It's being used on iPhones on other companies' phones. And so it is the worst it will be today. So there's only room for improvement, meaning that things get quicker, uh, things get more accurate. This technology becomes more abundant. And then there's also cross-platform use. Uh, uh, And what I mean by that is, let's say you've got a, a banking account. And, you know, traditionally you can only log in on your phone with facial recognition. Well, now you can use that same profile to log into your computer. You can go to an ATM, pull money out. You can walk into a branch and they'll know who you are. So it's really the, the real time analysis of a human across their account with a specific entity. Um, That's where I see this technology going. And that's where I see the value in it is really being able to make real time decisions based on your identity, but keeping that data siloed for the entity. Um, which I think is a, is a serious concern of, of ours, um, as well as the public's, is the data that an entity collects, that data should be held within that entity. Meaning if, if you go to a hotel and that hotel is running facial recognition and you're made aware of it and you opt into that program, that hotel should not share that information with your bank or should share that information with advertisers. That should be the hotel's information to identify you for a very specific use. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a very big fan of this multipurpose facial recognition across industries, but it has to be siloed and the data has to be collected and stored properly.
0: Yes, but that also creates a lot of security risk, right? Because there, here we are talking about two, you know, aspects of this. One is uh, identifying all those points on a human face. Uh, that is one algorithm for that. And the other algorithm would be for identifying, you know, from the large collection of the pictures or the images that is in the cloud or wherever you know from the data sets uh, where does it match now you know artificial intelligence you know while all these algorithms are you know going to identify those uh, points on the face and you know identify which image does it match to it also can be hacked very easily right so uh, how do we prevent the mm-hmm. algorithms to move, you know, uh, some points on the face or, you know, make it the image, uh, you know, little different than, you know, what it actually is to not, you know, be able to get identified properly because it's after all the computer coding, right? So how will we use the computer coding for security of the identification and authentication in the coming years for the facial recognition?
1: Uh, first i'd say it's magnitudes more secure than passwords or key cards, yes. so you know it, it's already a few steps ahead of our current infrastructure for for security um when when facial recognition runs it's actually taking reference points on the face and creating a mathematical representation of a face, and so that's called a face template uh that face template is what is stored, not the image, and so it's a string of of numbers that identifies that is an identifier of a face. And so that string of numbers, if it's handled properly and encrypted properly, is very difficult to hack. Even if that was hacked, it's very difficult to reverse engineer to actually pull a face out of that. Um, And again, in that same vein, if it is hacked, your identity is not stolen. Uh, That company can just delete that file. And so it's the same as a password in that sense, where you can just delete it and and re-enroll that person and they'll have a new face template with new numbers. And the other important thing to know is that if you were to, to take our, our face templates and try to run them through another company's facial recognition algorithm, it's rendered entirely useless because they don't do, the, do, do, do things the same way that we do. And so it's really not as big of a risk as I think people, people assume it to be. Um, it's a very easy fix if it's ever hacked or corrupted, and you cannot use it across, you know, across facial recognition providers. So it is essentially meaningless outside of the box that is that company.
0: I'm not sure of that, Sean, because it, it, this is all, after all, numbers and mathematics, right? So it, how difficult it would be to copy that and put it on a, let's say, robot, robot face and make a face like hum- human, you know, on a robot and, you know, put all those uh, uh, points on the robot. then, you know, uh, once the identity is copied, I, I think it's a ex- Extremely difficult, or I would say impossible, to correct that because passwords you can just correct it because you know it's a password. But how do you correct a human identity if that is stolen by you know using all these features? I think it's uh, going to be a big security challenge in the coming years.
1: Uh, I'm not sure I agree because you could go on Facebook or LinkedIn and I could pull your identity with that same thought process. So, you know, your information is already publicly available if you participate in social media of any kind. Um, the, what I meant there is that the first time you're enrolled in a program with our company, that profile is then a string of 512 different numbers that represent your face. Now if you were to come enroll again a week later, that is going to be a different string of numbers. And so it's not like you only have one string of numbers or one image in which, which could be used to reference your face. And so it truly is as simple as deleting that file and re-enrolling you, and you'll have an entirely different makeup or representation of your face. So that's what I mean in in that regard. And if you were to take that and try to use that on someone else's platform, the numbers are not gonna match up with any sort of points that they have because the the way that the technology operates is significantly different and significantly, uh, it's just done in a very, very different way. And so you can't take that and use that elsewhere. Uh, you really can't even reverse engineer that unless you know exactly how our system runs in which we wouldn't be doing our job if you did um, So it's 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 a really really difficult thing to do You would have to you'd have to really really be a bad actor trying to do something very nefarious um, To even attempt any of these things and so You know we're we're continuing to get smarter in the industry to make sure that 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 information never you know could never leak or could never get out um, and so, you know, we are using best best practices, bank-grade encryptions, uh, things of that nature. So it's 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 really a, a from my perspective, it's really a, an important piece to educate people on on the risk of this. Um, as long as the data is stored properly, there there really is not a whole lot of risk. Um, you know, I would say you've got more risk of being. Uh, you know, catfished or uh, fake, you know, fake accounts on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or any of those companies, because that is where your information is already stored and it's, it's information avail- available to the public.
0: Yeah, but the, the, the information that you're talking about from LinkedIn or Twitter that gets stolen, is not used for identification and authentication, right? This facial recognition is used for identification and authentication. So, uh, I mean, I hope that you, what you're talking about is true. And I hope that um, the security of the data, the data security is... uh, Uh, you know, really foolproof and that, you know, data in transit or data in storage and all that, you know, that it's, nobody can hack into that. I hope that it's true and uh, that, you know, everybody's identity is secured. But uh, another question that I would like to ask is that, you know, when you are talking about facial ID, do you also integrate that with any other biometric technologies like retina scan or iris scan? Is that also part of the uh, equation for the uh, ID tool that you are developing?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you think about multinatal biometrics and that is pairing facial recognition with iris or gait or thumbprints. Um, that becomes significantly more difficult to trick and falsify. And so with every layer of, of, of biometric, you make it that much harder for people to try and spoof or to trick. And so, yeah, we absolutely are working on that. You know, we are we are a computer vision company that that provides facial recognition. We also do other authentication. So uh, facial recognition is just how we got our name in the market. But no, we absolutely see um, we absolutely see the value in, in adding more than just facial recognition to the solution to ensure safety to ensure security.
0: Yes, yes. No, I mean that's what the trend I see. You know, especially when you look at India, the Aadhaar ID car, uh, act. You know that was recently implemented that all they're they using the uh, facial recognition technology, they're using the retina scan and fingerprint. Mm-hmm. The so they are also, you know, integrated in several different uh, uh, technologies, but uh, there are, you know, security risks in that too, especially retina scan, you know, because if you put that uh, infrared light into the retina, you know, there are some uh, health risks to that. So uh, right. I'm not sure why India use retina scan because more common is the use of iris scan, And uh, so that's, those are things we still have to evaluate that, you know, as nations move forward with national ID and, you know, trying to use all these different uh, uh, biometric technologies that, that, you know, what are the risks that are coming our way? We'll have to be very, very cautious and careful about that. But uh, based on, you know, developing technology is one thing, you know, but where the technology can be applied is whole another thing. So what trends do you see in the applications of facial recognition technology, not only in the United States, but across nations?
1: I think in the United States, and then I'll get to the across nations, but in the United States specifically, I think that the, the most critical component right now is airport security. Um, and so the recent administration has passed store has has started to push on, I think, 100 airports in the next couple of years that are running facial recognition for international travel. So I think that that's the, the biggest trend that we're seeing right now in the US. I think the next trend here will be retail. And so, you know, digitally, in digital retail or online retail, you can collect a lot of information about people's behavior, what they're looking at, you know, what they've hovered over. And so there is no there's no way to do that in the physical space right now. And so those physical brick and mortar stores are having trouble keeping up with understanding their customers the way that the digital storefronts are. And so I think that using facial recognition or this type of technology gives further insight into into how people and what type of people are going into your store, how often they're, you know, how much time they're spending there, how often they come back, what they purchase. Um, that becomes very valuable information to our brick and mortar retail stores. Um, internationally speaking. We're personally, our, our company is seeing a pretty big demand for reducing sex trafficking and finding missing children, um, which is an initiative that, that we're very heavily involved in now. Um, it's, it's important to us. And so you know, being able to run facial recognition on street cameras um, overseas, that is a known area of trafficking, um, is something that we're, we're actively pursuing now with the organizations over there. and so that's where you know we, we really like to to explore the opportunity overseas is, is in applications
0: like that oh that would be so wonderful if you can identify all those missing children or you know sex traffickers you know and uh, bring that to justice that would be amazing you know uh, application for that but uh, well, as far as you know the social media that you talked about so <laughs> If somebody is looking at any picture, any image, you know, or uh, what kind of uh, video they are watching or what kind of news they are reading, is that all you know being analyzed by the facial recognition technology?
1: Uh, it's not being analyzed by the facial recognition. Not digitally, no. So we're not doing any of that work. Uh, we don't do a lot of work at all with social media companies or any of the media companies. So we're, we don't partake in that. I'm not sure if other companies in our industry do. Um, But, you know, we're not doing that.
0: So uh, from your assessment, uh, I mean, we are seeing a trend that, you know, nations wants to use this technology for identification and authentication. But how effective do you see that this will be for authentication, this technology?
1: I think it's very effective, um, especially when you're talking about authentication for tasks that you continue to repeat, um, and so, you know, logins, things like that become very simple with facial recognition and a lower risk. Now, if you're talking about getting money out of your ATM that's a high-risk you know that's a high-risk application or entering a government facility or a secure building that is a high-risk application this technology so you know I think it's broken down into industry and then it's broken down into risk and appetite for risk and so whether there's you know a higher risk is where you want multinodal biometrics you want fingerprint plus facial recognition or you want fingerprint badge plus facial recognition um, or even voice recognition I, I think the the way that we think about the highest security environments is something you are, something you have, and something you know. Something you are is your face, it's it's your biometric. Something you have is like a phone or a key card, and then something you know is is a you know a prompt where you have to speak and we're running voice biometrics. So having those three is 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 extremely difficult for anyone to falsify or trick. That's where the future of kind of the, the high secure environment goes to. Um, authentication, though, is, is something that I think facial recognition just provides significantly more efficiency with, um, efficiency and security. The other thing that, that you don't have with passwords or key cards is a paper trail of what's actually happened. So, you know, with facial recognition, if you choose, you can have that information stored um, and, and you'll be able to see a trail of who came in or who entered or what time they entered. So there really is no way for you to to get around that system at that point. Whereas if I take your key card and enter a building, they don't know that you you had it or I had it. They just know that key card entered the building. So here we have a trail of actual events.
0: Sure, but when we talk about authentic see, getting access on social media is one thing, but getting access into financial accounts and you know other important secure uh, applications. That is a whole another thing. So, authentic identifying is one thing, but authenticating, I think, it would require the legal framework, legal infrastructure of uh, you know nations to also uh, progress and advance. You know, in parallel, do we, uh, do we have that? You know, uh, advances happening across nations to be able to use these biometric technologies, you know, to and facial recognition technology effectively as an authentication tool.
1: I do think so. Yes, you know, as I mentioned earlier, today is the worst. Today is the day that that we have the worst technology in our hands, and it's still being used to authenticate people to get into banking apps on phones. Um, it's still being tested for ATM access and authentication. So, yes, I, I do absolutely think that we are technologically we are there, or we are very, very close to being there, um, and it's only going to improve in the next three to five years. So, you know, I do think yes. I think that. Uh, ATM fraud is very big, um, you know, people scamming ATM cards, things like that, and looking over your shoulder at your PIN code. So you know, with with biometrics, you just add a layer of security there that you otherwise wouldn't have, and it's very difficult to falsify that layer of security. Um, it's, it's far more difficult than if you just took someone's four-digit PIN code or try to guess their password. You know, I think that, that those hacks online, a lot of people's password is password. Um, you know, you can't. You, you need to do with it. You need to be active in protecting yourself, especially when it comes to the digital world. But I think with with facial recognition, it becomes very difficult for people to guess or people to try and brute force attack. And so you you just eliminate all those attempts at fraud.
0: Yes, yes. So where do you see as you move forward, not only your company, but uh, overall industry as the facial recognition technology moves forward? what complex challenges do you see emerging uh, that's coming our way that are coming your way i would rather say Or nations with that uh, decision makers need to work on that to have effective implementation, acceptance and adaptation, because, you know, developing technology is one thing. But uh, having the masses, having the population accept it is whole another thing, because uh, because of the very nature of its, you know, the technology There is a whole use, it can be used for security. It can be used for surveillance. So how to, you know, in the company, decision makers of nations work towards you know convincing citizens that this is you know we are implementing this for the security and not for the surveillance
1: i think education is critical um, and i think regu- regulation is critical so we are and i am personally all for regulating this technology but the industry experts have to have a voice in that because if not specifically in the united states we run into that social media issue again where um, you know, they were in Congress and, and they didn't understand really what a social network was. If people regulate or le- you know put out legislation on facial recognition that do not understand this, we're going to be in a worse off situation. And so I think that it's important for the stakeholders in the industry to be very transparent about the limitations that we have today. And we regulate around that. So again, all for regulation, it just needs to be done right.
0: How Um, should it be regulated, Sean? Because this is a very complex technology. How can it be effectively regulated?
1: uh, It can be regulated with things like benchmarks for accuracy, benchmarks for performance, benchmarks for... Um, the diversity of data, so removing data bias, um, you know, how it performs on city streets versus how it performs in a building are very different. So I think it's, it's, it's really regulation on how this is being performed and then regulation on how the data is stored, transmitted, encrypted, and all that. There has to be, there has to be best practices or there, there has to be a guideline or a rule in which all these companies can follow, which will, will create awareness and transparency, but also trust from the public. Um, and, and that 's you know in my opinion, how it has to be regulated so there there has to be a number of things you you know you meet the criteria or exceed the criteria and that 's the only way you can you can work with let 's say local law enforcement or you know the national government so I, I just think there has to be these these you know these checks and balances in place for the technology and and that way you know that that transitions into public trust when they when they have insight on how these how, how these operations actually work and what data is being stored, how it's being used. And, and really, I think it's really just the the piece of ed- education on how the data is being used, because that's what everyone's most concerned with, is, is their privacy. And as long as there's clear and, and very transparent guidelines on how data is stored and used, I, I think we alleviate that fear.
0: I think, uh, so from what it looks like, what you're telling is that our focus for regulation should be on the data security. And uh, your thoughts are that, you know, perhaps, you know, privacy is uh, the concern that everyone has. But my concern is security, not privacy. Privacy, yes, it is a concern. But security is, I think, you know, supersedes, you know, and it tops the privacy concerns. And that's where I think, you know, just focusing on the data angle of the um, facial recognition technology is not going to be sufficient because we have been trying to, you know, secure the data for the internet, you know, for the cloud, for all these, you know, uh, advances that has happened so far and we have uh, even though you know we may have regulation the, it uh, is not effective because you know encryptions and not, there are no technologies that are foolproof proof. you know A hackers can uh, hackers are one step ahead and you know i am not saying you know the good hackers but the uh, criminals they are one step ahead and they you know they have more effective ways to uh, do security breaches, then, you know, perhaps uh, uh, the security professionals that are working on trying to manage security. So I think we need a little bit more different approach. While data security is important, I think, you know, security of the algorithms, that is, you know, much more important. So I would, you know, uh, I'm going to write about this in near future that, you know, why we need to focus on how we develop the algorithms, how we write the codes. And that is, you know, perhaps uh, going to be at the needs to be at the center of regulation, you know, in the coming years. You know, we uh, just like, you know, humans have an ID. We will need to give ID to algorithms. We will need to, you know, focus on the algorithms because that's where all the, you know, security challenges will emerge. And that's where we can, you know, uh, prevent the uh, misuse of these uh, technologies in the coming years. But uh, I will write about that in near future. But having said that, what are your concluding thoughts on the future of facial recognition? And what, especially, what would you like to tell young, curious minds who wants to get involved in not only the artificial intelligence, but also in facial recognition technology race, you know, across
1: I would like to just uh, conclude with saying that it's a very exciting time to be in this space. We are at the cutting edge of how the human mind can program a computer to think very similarly but to do it very quick. So I, I think that you know we are we are very much leading an evolution in technology um, as an industry, and it's a, it's a very, very unique experience for anyone to get involved in. Uh, it's a very interesting experience to be able to work with governments and Fortune 500 companies to help them craft their product roadmap with artificial intelligence. Um, so I'm very, very excited for the next few years in this industry. Uh, anyone that wants to, wants to learn more about it, there's a lot of blogs on Medium. Uh, they can contact me. Uh, you can go to our website, www.trueface.ai. And I'd be more than happy to talk with anyone about it.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sean, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on application trends and, you know, technology trends in facial recognition technology. And even if a single decision maker can understand the trends in facial recognition based on the discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup dialogue has been of service. And we thank you for that. Thank you. So, Risk Round, thank you so much, Sean. So, the Risk Round, of a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions, and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. So, security is related to management of threats and risk management of conflict. Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feeding to each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to other risk roundup webcasts or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.